What's up, Jolyn? Had to unmute the mic. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You know, beautiful sunny days in Seattle. You know, can't beat that with a bat. I was gonna say it seemed a little bit overcast, but you know, <laughs> who's watching? Who's watching at all? <laughs> well, today it was a little overcast, but over the weekend it was amazing. Okay. 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 All right. Well. Uh, we got a big day out for us, but uh got a book for you, by the way, that arrived. I got to share oh, with you. To me. Uh, yeah, I'll get it to you very soon. Uh, it's called Doji's Rumble, The mm -hmm. Horned Creatures Arise. Now, this is actually a children's book, um, but it actually gives some pretty interesting things as it pertains to markets for kids. So, uh yeah, so shout out to Suzanne uh, Menar, and I hope I do not butcher her name, but Nuka Huar. So hopefully I pronounced your name, your last name correct, but uh, dope book. And she even sent us some of the art, uh, so that should be pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, so. we, need to, we need to have that exchange. <laughs> I need to stop by our PO um, box and see. I got some updates, you know, so I'm sure. All right. Well, what's good, everybody? I am Mark Monroe, accompanied by my wonderful co-host, co-producer, co-creator, all things galactic, and of course, out here stunting in royalty. Give it up for Lady. It's Jolene GC in the place to be. What does it, cousins, on this fine Tuesday? All right, all right, all right. So, um, first things first, if you are new to our channel, welcome to the Come Up series, a channel where we discuss all things financial literacy, economics, as well as, you know, some we sprinkle in a little bit of startups. We're 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 starting to round up the ingredients there, but that that's a whole nother uh, a whole nother other, as Jolyn would say. Um, but pretty much, we bring you everything in between, so that way you can be well rounded in your journey as it pertains to generational wealth. Because our duty is to help you help us close the generational wealth gap within one generation. All right. So, uh, in order to do that, also, uh, you can just simply just support our channel by hitting the subscribe button down below. And on top of that, hitting that like button because, I mean, Melon and Poppin, we're awesome. We're doing this for free. So, you know, hey, simple tuition. Just hit the like button. And on top of that, if you want to be in the know, like, if you want to be a part of the Cool Kids Club and get those notifications just like Chase Gordon did, hey, Chase. go ahead and hit that bell so that way when we see you first in the chat, we will definitely shout you out. So what's good, Chase? Thank you so much for having your, your mouse ready to just, you were, you were right there on the clicker. And shout outs to you for being first in the chat. So, all right, Jolyn, uh, today yeah. we got a lot to discuss. We got a lot to present today. And I am really, really, really excited uh, because this is actually rare. This is actually going to be a rarity in what that we normally bring to the Come Up Cousins. So, you know, are you ready for today? Yeah, I'm ready, but you know we gotta we gotta um, set the room, so to speak, and get the, the context going here. For what All right, let's in the market. You know, take it away. <laughs> All right, so we have the Dow at negative four hundred ninety-one point two seven points. 
We're now at a level of 30,946.99. The S&P 500, negative 78.56, which now we're a little bit below 4,000 at 3,821.55. The NASDAQ, whew, Lord, down negative 343.01. We are fighting for our lives here to maintain that 11,000 level at 11,181. 0.54. We got the VIX um, increasing a little bit to 28.36, and the U.S. 10-year is currently at 3.181 percentage points. Now heading over to sector performance. If you knew, if you're new here, you should know that there are 11 sectors, and we track the top three and the bottom three so we can see what that rotation is looking like. So we got energy holding it down um, for the number one spot: utilities and financials. Then for our bottom feeders, we have communication services, technology, and consumer discretionary. The three that I like the most are out here on the bottom. That's okay, though. Um, and then heading over to our picks, a.k.a. the SIPs. If you want to know what um, our top picks are, you can head on over to our Instagram page at that come up series, and you will find the post with the most. It has all of our um, picks. And you can see for yourself and check it out and see if that's something that you um, agree with, if it matches up with your thesis. If it doesn't, you know, of course, you want to do your own due diligence. We have SQQQ at over uh, 9% mark. It was 9.17% to the upside. Then we have FANG, um, ticker symbol FANG. Um, but this is Diamondback Energy coming in with 4.35 percentage points to the upside. And then Devon Energy was up 2.89 percentage points. Then for our bottom feeders, we have Enphase at a negative 7.53 percentage points. And then Unity Software, negative 8.34 percentage points. And... Usually, if you see SQQ at the top, you're going to see... TQQ at the bottom. <laughs> so, it is coming in all the way at the bottom at negative 9.11, a.k.a. 911, a.k.a. Is this an emergency mark? We don't know. So, <laughs> that is what we're um, dealing with today. Um, I do want to just say right now in the beginning of the show that um, we have Supplemental Sundays this Sunday, um, and that will be at 530 Um standard time and 8 30 eastern time and this sunday the come up presence will be breaking down how to sell calls and puts so be um there or be square aka be around um so that you can uh tune into that and learn some more with your cousin so mark yes. you know i saw the title of today's show you know and <laughs> all year we have been talking about like the importance of earnings Right. And not yeah. for the typical, um, not just for the, you know, typical reasons, but um, there's some tremendous insight that can be gained. And oh, OK, Lakeisha, I just thought that you flashed that mark. Yeah. So, that I, well, I mean, pretty much I was supposed to fly down to New Orleans. Uh, flights got canceled, couldn't find a pilot. So I was pretty much just stuck here in Seattle. Um, and pretty much shout outs to the Biz Chiefs. They had invited me. Technically, they invited me, I think, the year prior, and I couldn't, like, we just got our, our wires crossed, but I really wanted to show face there. But 
since I couldn't be there in person, I definitely still, no matter what, even if I can't make it there in person, I'm still forever always going to like believe in showing up. And so um, pretty much they asked me to answer questions and like little, literally sit down and have a fireside chat about investing, um, stocks, as well as startups and entrepreneurship. So I was able to give folks a lot of value there. So hopefully they'll have the replay for folks from that event. So that way they can share that out. But it was so much fun being able to answer some of the questions from our cousins and possibly newly minted cousins yeah. down in the good old city of New Orleans, Louisiana. I was I was really bummed, Jolyn, because I, I really wanted to go get some. <laughs> I really wanted to go get some food, some beignets. I uh, definitely wanted to stop potentially by the French Quarter if I could, but if not, it's like okay, hey, just. You know, my grandfather being from New Orleans wanted to stop by, you know, but, you know, hey, as as long as I was able to just be a blessing and possibly give value to the people, that matters to me more. So hopefully I did that. And thank you, y'all, for having me. That is so dope. Okay, so Lakeisha says um, that it was, you came through and it was it was great still. So that is awesome. Um, yeah, you know, these, the shortage from pilots is getting ridiculous. Now, you know me, I'm not about the W-2 life, but some of y'all need to be pilots, okay? Yo, with the increases in which they're doing, what is it, they're, they're doing 14% increases on salary, um, and then on top of that, providing signing bonuses and a bunch of other stuff. Yo, for real, for real, I may need to, you know, like, send butter to pilot school. <laughs> Well, for real well though but i also heard that they were um cutting down the like um required flight hours like the yeah. time you're in the sky and i don't think that's the best idea like i know we're in a bind but you know we still need people to have the skills you know what i'm saying so unless they're pairing them with you know veteran pilots even though most of it's autopilot i guess i mean i'm not a pilot so i don't know so if you are a pilot i mean that's been uh, but anyway, we definitely need, there, there will be some things that people will still need to do. Somebody's going to have to do it. So, yeah, it was just, it was just last minute. Like, you know, where it was like literally coming down to the wire and it was mm -hmm. just like, okay, you know, this is, this is kind of like a situation, but I mean, Hey, all in all, I was able to bless folks with information that I know, um, and also be able to speak on things and which they hopefully provided them value and in their journey so that's all that matters to to me so yeah. yeah so i mean it sounds like this is a perfect opportunity to learn how to fly um if you're all about the earnings and speaking of earnings like you know i'm trying to do that take <laughs> i was looking for the landing i was looking for the landing oh, okay the landing stick okay so Today's title, Mark, we're talking all about um, the earnings. I know you're really pumped about this. Um, so you ready to get into it? I am. So if you guys hear Butter in the background, he's over here like playing with one of his new toys. That's one of the things that he does now. So just please disregard. Um, but um, it's kind of rare that you guys actually get a... I, I know it's kind of rare that we get like to bring out presentations for the Come Up School of Investing. And we just recently did it last Tuesday. But, you know, honestly, today is somewhat of a special day because we're honoring uh, one of our ancestors within, you know, the community that is no longer here with us. I'm not going to just divulge into too much information because that's not my place. 
Um, but I just want to say that this episode today is to honor them and bringing something of value because of the value in which that they brought into uh, the culture and the community. So, you know, prayers to that family. Um, but also at the same token, it's, I, I know that they're watching up above, so I better be on my P's and Q's and get it together <laughs> and make sure that I rock out for tonight's episode. So without further ado, let's get into that, shall we? Yes. All right. So we are going to take, um, let's see if it's agreeing with us, ladies and gentlemen. We have reached the Come Up Series School of Investing. And today we are talking about earnings per share. Now, of course, we're going to get into also how it affects the stock, how it affects a stock price or the stocks. We'll get into that in a little bit, but, you know, let's rock out a little bit. So I'm going to remove myself from screen so that way you guys can have more screen real estate. Um, so that way you guys can take notes and see what, you know, y'all know what we look like. So we're good. <laughs> All right, so here we are, um, earnings per share. So earnings, it, it should read the title as earnings and earnings per share, as well as stock price. So, you know, but to make it simple, we just went with EPS. Now, of course, welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is a come up school of investing course. So you know how we get down. You know how we are going to act up and everything else. So prepare yourself because it's about to be straight up lit. Um, and on top of that, this is considered for, this is a year three episode because as you notice, we go a little bit deeper. We do uh, deep dives into things. And of course, what you guys are gaining when it comes to say, for example, um, you know, pretty much supplemental Sundays and everything else, you're getting pretty much a full course curriculum. So. Uh, let's get straight to it. So let's first things first, let's talk about that mission statement because it still doesn't change and pretty much the game needed change. So we decided to let the culture play cashier. That is each and every single one of y'all. That is forever, always our mantra and who we will forever be here at the come up series and that will never change. So doesn't matter if I'm rocking the mic or if JoLynn's rocking the mic or whoever else is rocking the mic. That's just who we are here at the Come Up Series. So, and of course, with that being said, congratulations to all of you that are new to the Come Up Series. You've been granted full ride scholarship to the Come Up Series School of Investing. And for those in whom wish that have been here and you're now in your third year or second year, congratulations, you get another full ride scholarship. So, of course, always pay for by your wonderful ancestors that have walked this earth before you. All right, so let's get into it. Year three, can you believe it? I can't believe it. So there it is. Take advantage of the tools that are available. Um, so let's, we're gonna get into it in a little bit. What is earnings and EPS? How does it work? The board setup, of course, as you know how we do, how stocks are impacted, and of course the takeaway. So we got a lot to get into, so let's move forward. So first things first, what are earnings? Now, of course, for those in whom wish that are gonna be probably listening to this just for the audio, uh, since we haven't set up a podcast yet, since we've just been YouTube content creators. Um, we're just going to read it out loud for y'all. Um, so what are earnings? Simply, it's a company report card. So if you want it in its most simplest form. But if you want a little bit more granular data or a little bit more meat to the bone, <clears throat> excuse me, a company's earnings are its after-tax net income. This is the company's bottom line or its profits. Earnings are perhaps the single most important and most closely studied number 
and a company's financial statements. So, you know, this is this is really where the rubber meets the road. Normally during the during the quarter you hear about a lot of hype, you hear a lot of analysts talk, you hear a lot of talking pundits speak on the media and everything else, as well as, you know, the folks, you know, on Twitter or other social media platforms, everybody talks. But then the silencer that hits everybody is literally the earnings when it comes out. It's like everybody's waiting there on pins and needles, holding their breath to see what it's to see what it's going to be like. Your traders are literally trading, and it's a 50-50 toss-up. And then on top of that, you have your other folks that are out there that are just watching and just looking and seeing exactly how things turned out. Um, so again, we know what earnings are. So earnings per share. So earnings per share is a way to describe a company's profit per outstanding share of their stock. Uh, it's typically calculated on a quarterly or annual an, or an annual basis. And then revenue is pretty much just in simplest terms, just like for example, when you get a paycheck, that's income. Well, for example, when you get, you know, as a company, all sales are considered as revenue, money that comes in after, say for example, whatever expense. All right, so the key takeaway is revenue and earnings per share are the heart of the fundamental analysis of a company's worth. Where you find these two things, that literally is the foundation of everything that will follow. All right, so let's just do something really simple. Can you spot the EPS and shares outstanding on this chart, or not on this chart, but on this, on this slide? Now, this slide, if you if you wanted to follow along, you can find this. Uh, this is Tesla, ticker TSLA. You can find it on BarChart or any of the other platforms out there, but I just use BarChart's uh, clipping. So can you find it? Can you see it? You know, could you, you know, notice that there's this earnings per share here? And then, of course, right across from it, we have shares outstanding. We're going to get into that. So, again, let's, let's show you another one real quick. So, Apple, can you spot, can you see the EPS? So we can see the shares outstanding. Do you see the EPS? Okay. I'm probably sure you spotted it. So, EPS is broken into two different categories. So one you have basic EPS, and then another one you have diluted EPS. And they are both used to measure the profitability of a company. But basic is calculated just simply by taking into account the outstanding shares of the company. Uh, and then, you know, pretty much, you know, you pretty much you take the outstanding shares and then essentially divide that by, say, for example, EPS. And then there you have it. Um, and then, of course, Diluted EPS is includes convertible shares such as employee stock options, warrants, debt, and into its calculation. So let's look a little bit further in depth, shall we? So remember what I said. So for example, when you take your basic EPS, you take net income minus preferred dividend, and then it's over a weighted average, which is the number of common shares outstanding. So typically when you see the shares that are available, then pretty more the shares that are sitting there that are outstanding, you pretty much take those numbers, so the net income minus the preferred dividend. So there you have it. You take that over that, and that literally spits out an EPS number. All right, well, with diluted per share, you take the net income, so pretty much the profit minus the preferred dividend plus paid out to dilutive securities, so in other ways, like for example, shares. Um, so 
then of course, so like normally when we think about dilutive shares, that's like say for example, you know, like for example, res restricted stock that employees have and other related items um, that literally can literally dilute the value. And then of course you measure that over a weighted average of the number of common shares outstanding plus conversion of dilutive securities again. So what was converted over. So pretty much to keep it simple for y'all, let's say that for example if we are taking let's say like if you have a revenue or let's say that you you brought in let's say a million dollars right you brought in a million dollars and let's say for example the amount of shares that you have outstanding are let's say you have a million you have a million shares that are outstanding we'll just keep it simple so you take the million dollars divided by the a million shares outstanding Jolin what would be our EPS is Jolin here oh okay so so pretty much she's she's still taking notes over there alright so pretty much you would have an EPS share of one just simply one so your EPS would be one and then if you added in a bunch of other things like for example to add in the dilution it just makes the math a little bit a little bit more trickier but essentially it still breaks down to the same thing alright so let's move on to the next thing so like for example I know I just said a lot there and, and I and I simplified it in its basic math format. So why should you care, right, when it comes to EPS? Like, why should you care? Well, here's the reason why you should care. Because it tells you how profitable a company is. Like, a lot of folks look at the EPS and they're like, okay, hey, when you normally see the EPS and the revenue that comes through, when you watch CNBC and you hear the earnings report, Many people just say, okay, hey, that's what came through, but why is it important? Because it tells you how profitable a company is at that current time. So let's let's look at the so we either look at a high EPS or we look at a low EPS. And these are the things in which that they can tell us. Like I said, how profitable a company is. So meaning investors like this because this can be the potential return when it comes to spotting dividend opportunities or just essentially the value that the, that returns to the shareholder. Now, it can also give an indication of the company's health. So a lower or decreasing uh, growth on EPS gives a poor indication about the company's future growth prospects. So for example, if you're carrying a low EPS, then most likely that's a sign that essentially that either that your growth is slowing down or that you're decreasing in your growth. And if you have a high EPS, then that means that you're at a high growth area. So it sets the stage for calculating also P.E. ratio. So remember what I said, it's the fundamental basis when we look at EPS, it's one of the fundamentals as it pertains to like other things within the, within the fundamental landscape of a company or breaking down a company or looking at things further. So for example, did you know that what, may, what the EPS makes when it comes to the P.E. ratio? Well, I put it on the screen so if you can see it, it's 50%. So you know that E there in PE ratio, so price to earnings ratio. So pretty much the E represents the EPS. So you take the share price and divide that by the EPS and then that ultimately gives you the PE ratio.
All right, so another thing that a lot of folks don't realize is that the S&P 500 earnings growth uses all 500 companies' EPS data. So if you take in all that data, and then on top of that, you take in all those shares outstanding, then it can kind of like start to show you exactly what the earnings growth is for the for say for example the S&P 500. So, you know, let me see if I can actually pull something that can provide a little bit more basis when it comes to the S&P 500 cuz we may take a field trip here. Yay. We may take a slight little field trip if I can pull it up. And we're going to pull it up here from, and we're going to we're going to send a special shout out to thanks to our friends over there at Y Charts, you know, for probably making this available for us to spot. So let's go ahead and look at this. So here you see, for example, um, when it comes to let's say the earnings per share, this is the S and P 500s. Uh, earnings per share. Now this is as of Q4 of 2021. So of course our newest one is not there for like the Q1. But normally what you would see over a period of time is you would see pretty much the earnings per share and how those numbers fluctuate over time. Now this is over a max time frame, but if you want to look at it over say for example a year, it can kind of start to give you that that breakdown. And of course if we want to go a little bit further, but we'll just keep it simple. Um, if we want to go, actually, let's actually go all the way back to, let's say, 2018, and then we're going to measure it to, let's say, today. So as you can see, the changes as it pertains to percentage and earnings per share, um, but then again, if we want to look at it as it pertains to just simplicity, where it's no percentage change, or just looking at it on a growth perspective, now that really starts to really paint the picture for you when it comes to earnings per share growth. Um, another thing that we can look at is over there at our friends at FactSet, which they have uh, did this back in December 10th of 2021. They have projected that earnings growth would be pretty much at a 9%. Now, the interesting thing about that is because if we look at it, in 2021, we were at a earnings per share growth of 45.1%. Um, but yet at the same token, they, you know, when you have such high growth like that, then you typically expect that you're going to see that we're going to probably have moments. Oh, wait, I actually don't have the screen up. So let me go ahead and share that with you guys again, because you guys are like, probably like, Mark, we can't see it. All right. So let's see if I can provide that to you. Okay. There it is. All right. So here we have it. Hopefully you guys can see it where you can see the earnings per share growth back in 2021 of, at the end of the year. They have projected that pretty much for this year, it was going to be at a 9% uh, earnings growth. But unfortunately, that did not happen, especially, well, not yet. And so I'm probably sure that we're having to revise some of this earnings growth due to the fact of inflation, due to the fact of, say, for example, what took place over there in Russia and Ukraine, due to slowing earnings growth from some of the companies within the S&P 500. But an interesting take is, you know, and this is where we should probably pay attention to, is looking at the sales growth at, say, for example, um, this year when we look at it on a quarter over quarter basis. And so when we start looking at it, here is where we started to see like financials was down, uh, 
you know, pretty much it was projected at negative 8.9, but of course industrials at 35.9, consumer discretionary at 32.2, and of course energy at 28.4. Well, if you look at the tail of the tape as it pertains to this year so far, energy is probably the best performing of the S&P 500, which has completely rebalanced it from a 2.5% uh, representation in the S&P 500 weighting to now about 6%. So very, very, very interesting. Now, of course, revenue growth was projected to be at a 7.3%. So these are the things in which that we're cross-referencing and comparing to and looking at it for moving forward over the next 12 months of what to expect. So of course, this is a pretty dope article. Um, what I'll do is I will definitely make sure I copy and paste that and make it available within the chat for all of you to literally have access to that one. So that is, and if you go to FactSet, the beautiful thing about it is a lot of these folks, they will provide you um, with some of the, they, they will provide you with some pretty dope resources when it comes to, uh, you know, pretty much insights in which that they take the time to study and everything else. So there's that. All right, so let's get back to class after we just took that brief little, you know, presentation and field trip. So that's a quick breakdown of looking at it from the S&P 500 standpoint. Okay, so let's go a little bit deeper, shall we? So why do stock prices rise and fall after reporting a solid earnings beat? Now, this is always something in which that, like, when you see earnings, like, you probably saw earnings this, this year in Q1, where some of these companies, they reported strong, you know, earnings, even though in the midst of everything else that was coming, and their stock prices still took a dive. And then in some cases, you saw other companies where it's like they took a upside. So here is something where tonight I'm actually going to give you guys some of the stuff in which that has been looked at and give you reasons for why is it that we typically see why stocks either rise or fall after reporting a solid earnings beat. So when we say a solid earnings beat, just as a heads up, when we look at that, so, you know, just, just for, the, for the sake of, you know, for folks to understand, let me give you some reasons or some metrics in which that people look at first before we even go through that next period. So when we look at it, we look at one, of course, the most basic thing that what we said early on is we look at revenue, right? So that's the first metric that everybody looks at, revenue, a.k.a. sales. This is the amount of money, like I said, that you bring in uh, that is generated over the past quarter for selling products or services. And then, of course, we talked about the second metric, which is earnings per share, which is translates to the actual profit that the company keeps. So a higher EPS means the company is more profitable and has the potential to grow faster, as we spoke about, and likely to pay out more to its shareholders through earnings increase and or dividends. So we talked about that, but you know, just as a heads up, you know, just in case if you're a little bit stuck, you know, as a refresher. <laughs> All right, so then there's another metric that a lot of folks, you know, tend to pay attention to. These are the three things that like everybody always watches. So for example, another thing that like, you know, I hope that you're writing this down. Metric three is guidance. So when an earnings report is released by a company, many investors mistakenly focus only on whether it beat revenue and EPS estimates. However, this is a huge mistake as something called guidance <coughs> <coughs> <laughs> 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 
although, you know, you know, can also significantly influence a stock's price performance. So, for example, if you had a company that said, okay, hey, they, their earnings growth last year was at, say, for example, 25%, and then in their guidance, they say that we're going to raise our full year guidance, and this year we're going to go from 25% to 50% growth. How would you feel about that company? Smart. <laughs> yes. Flies are stuck. No, it's it's supposed to be. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just literally just speaking right now. Okay. So if if it's fifty percent, then pretty much. So that way you guys can you know not think that I'm I'm over here stuck. <laughs> so if it's a fifty percent growth, then pretty much you know that's a good thing. Now if a company turns around and tells you, oh. Well, yeah, we remember when we had 25% growth last year? Well, we're going to have to guide down a little bit. We're not going to be able to match that. So we're going to say that our growth this year is probably going to be about, you know, maybe negative 5% because we're probably spending a lot. Now, as an investor, are you more inclined to invest in the company that is showing, that is telling you that they're raising their full year guidance and they're very confident in telling you that they'll, that they'll grow by 50% or the company that's telling you that they're going to go down by 5%? Well, it depends. Well, off that, yes, you can go with the one with strong guidance. But if you have a strong thesis in that company and it's early on and it's like an Amazon, for example, and they're just using their money to reinvest back into the company, well, long term, that one might win out. Yeah, I mean, true. I mean, some simple things when we look at guidance, right? There's there's weak guidance, there's same guidance, and then there's also strong guidance. So pretty much weak guidance is the company is is lower. As we said, they've lowered their expectations. So they've told analysts, hey, don't expect much from us or don't expect as what we did last year. You know, this year is not going to be that type of year. We're not that guy this year. And then, of course, if it's same guidance, then pretty much kind of like what Tesla does. Tesla says that we're pretty much expect 50% growth year over year. So it's rare to find that. But again, it's, you know, it happens within some companies. So again, that's just pretty much just telling you, hey, what we did last year is probably going to be equal to this year. And now, of course, if we do better than that, then great. If not, hey, you know, we're still going to fall within, on average, we're going to fall within that line. And then, of course, there's stronger, a.k.a. the higher guidance, which means that you've raised your guidance. So this is pretty much telling them, expect us. You know, we're here. We're out here in hella traffic. And honestly, we ain't slowing down for nobody. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's some other metrics so that way I can move on because, of course, I want to get to this final slide. But there's other things that you could look at, like, for example, unit sales. And then also within tech companies, they look at users and subscribers. So, for example, you look at Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, also, uh, well, TikTok's not publicly traded, but Netflix. Uh, and sometimes even in Amazon Prime, like, for example, with their subscriber count. Um, maybe even also with, say, for example, with Apple and their unit sales. So nine times out of ten, have you noticed that most of the time, they don't care about iPad or MacBook sales. The only thing that they really care about is, say, for example, iPhone sales. Well, it makes sense because when you think about which one is the higher margin item, you're going to go with the one in which you pay attention to the most. Okay. I don't know what he's doing back there, but, you know. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So...
let's get back to this presentation because it's kind of like playing bingo. And shout out to uh, our, one of our cousins that's coming all the way from, giving us the good morning all the way from Manila, Philippines. Shout outs to you. Um, all right, so let's get back to this because this is where it gets a little bit interesting for everybody. And so we talked about the metrics that are used, right? Now let's talk about the other stuff. Like, for example, it could be any of these things in which that could either rise, that could either tank the stock or it can also send the stocks shooting sky high. So, for example, let's look at the let's look at the metric of high expectations. Now, we've all seen this, like, for example, when investors, for whatever reason, expect a company's earnings to beat all analyst estimates by a significant margin. This can cause a massive amount of buying up into, until the earnings re report is released. Now, the reason why I said that you typically see this in NVIDIA, because it happens more often than not, where NVIDIA will run up going into its earnings and then sell off or drop like a rock right after it just reports some blockbuster earnings beat. Now, why is that? Now, in short, pretty much this mass buying and increase in trading volume causes a stock's price to appreciate in value significantly and by this point the potential B in earnings is already priced into the stock so that's why so for example when the earnings is in, like when you see that the stock price has already risen you typically find where it's like okay hey is the good news now already priced into the stock so for example even if the earnings beat estimates uh, by a significant margin, uh, investors and even like meeting investor expectations, the stock price may still fall afterwards. This is simply because the stock price may be at an all-time high, aka 52-week high, or simply because investors don't expect it to go any higher in the short term. And in short, this can cause mass amounts of selling, driving the stock price down because investors want to secure their unrealized gains. So, I mean, nothing wrong with that, right? So, then we go over to changes in management. Now, this can be different <laughs> because this can send shockwaves. It could either, one, be a good thing or it could be a bad thing, depending on who the incoming management is. So, during an earnings call, the company may announce that someone in upper management, uh, such as a CEO, would be leaving the company shortly. Now... Normally, telling people this during earnings is probably sometimes the worst time because this is where everybody's very much so reactionary, but it happens. It's kind of like a rip to band-aid effect. So this especially is the case if a CEO did well and drove profitability for the company, and if the CEO is one of the founders of the company, or if the investors are not confident in the CEO's ability to fulfill this role adequately and continue to grow the business further. So another example that we can look at is say for example when Steve Jobs passed away and then it was passed on to Tim Cook. Or say for example we can look at the same thing recently, well we got Pat Gilsinger at Intel, though that you know honestly I think that he's a better choice than the existing CEO, but you know it's more so a wait and see approach. And then it's of course the most reputable one as of recently in times is Amazon, where Jeff Bezos stepped down from CEO of Amazon and ultimately now it's being, well it's now, you know, public knowledge that Andy Jassy is running the company. And of course when that happened you saw that the stock price had took a little slight dip because of that. 
Now, of course, there's this other thing called stock buybacks, and the reason why we didn't put a stock picker there, because honestly, take your pick. I mean, it can fluctuate, and we've seen that a lot of companies have been producing like 90 billion, 18 billion, 5 billion uh, share buybacks, so, and they've gotten mixed results. And there's a reason for that. Another reason for a stock price falling after an earnings beat may be due to the company buying back outstanding shares in the company. Now, a lot of you guys are probably asking me, like, Mark, well, why is this like a bad thing. Well, look at it from Wall Street's standpoint. Well, this could be something where we talk about EPS artificially dri being driven higher, which can lead to a somewhat misleading earnings report. So this in turn can cause the stock price to fall after an earnings beat, especially in cases where investors believe the current stock price is overvalued. So, um, you know, and this could be amongst various different scenarios, but, you know, essentially, you know, if you see that essentially that the stock buybacks because of the fact that the price is being pushed up and ultimately impacting shares outstanding, that can inflate the EPS price, which means that essentially it can flash a signal, especially to some value-based analysts or value-based investors or folks in whom which that are really paying attention to PE and EPS. Um, they could probably say that that's inflated and ultimately that the share price is way too overvalued and ultimately trigger a sell. Um, then there's things like, for example, debt levels. Again, take your pick. <laughs> because there's a lot of companies out there that are holding on to debt. And so, but here's the part, like some of you are like, well, Marks, isn't some debt good debt? Yeah, it is. Like, for example, when you actually have the cash. But if a company beats earnings, but analysts and investors realize that the company has taken on a lot of debt since its last quarter to the point where it may be considered risky for the company, then that can be something of a red flag. So the amount of debt that is considered risky uh, for any particular company depends on a number of factors, such as the levels of debt. It can also be like, for example, if they need to make interest payments and the cash a company currently has on its balance sheet. So, for example, why is it that nobody cares when Apple like takes on debt? The reason why that they don't care is because Apple has over $200 billion in cash, which means that it's like, okay, they're good for it. And then on top of that, what they bring forth, like if Apple wanted to say, for example, bring in a $90 billion, you know, let's say, you know, loan or, or take on a, a $90 billion debt, right? Mm -hmm. But if they got $2 billion in cash, $200 billion in cash, and then on top of that, they are also producing, the average amount of revenue that Apple brings in is anywhere from $80 billion to roughly $115 or $120 billion in revenue. Um, so that's a lot right there. So essentially it's like, yo, can they pay back their bills? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can pay back all our bills. <laughs> But let's say that if this was a company like, for example, Tesla taking out, let's say, $50 billion. Tesla doesn't have, to my knowledge, $50 billion in, say, for example, cash sitting on the side. So then an investor can look at that as a potential holdup. And that could be a potential red flag that could send the stock going downward. Then, of course, we have your hedge funds and your money managers. So big hedge funds and money managers look to enter and exit stocks when there is a higher amounts of liquidity or, in other words, when there is high amounts of volume trading occurring in a particular stock. Now, of course, we've seen this in like where a lot of hedge funds got exposed in 2021 uh, due to the, the, you know, pretty much the short interest. 
Um, and of course, you know, retail and some other institutional investors got involved with that. And it became the spectacle, the spectacle as we know. So pretty much like the days surrounding an earnings report are generally the, when more investors are trading in and out of a stock. I mean, we all know this. So which leads to higher amounts of trading volume. So which means that around these days, you're probably going to see a lot of volume surrounding either going into the earnings or after. Um, so if a money manager wants to exit a big position, for example, to rebalance their allocation, because it's all about allocation of the portfolio, back to their desired target, they would attempt to do so when buyers could potentially support the large sell-off. So therefore, it makes a lot of sense for these big money players to sell their shares after an earnings beat. However, this can also lead to panic selling, and we've seen this before. As big money managers selling off shares is not a good sign. Moreover, a small initial decrease in stock uh, price could be further amplified once investors learn more about the earnings report. So, and then leads us to the final one. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of other ones, but you know, these are the ones that stick out to me. Then there's also the whisper number. Now, of course, I said typically seen an apple, but again, you guys know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Take your pick. Because <laughs> essentially, the whisper number is an unreported and unpublished revenue or EPS forecast analysts have in the back of their minds and is largely unknown to the general public. So the interesting thing about a whisper number, though, Jolyn, is that it may have a greater impact on the stock. And on top of that, typically, like... It, uh, it's like it pretty much has a greater impact on the stock's movement, just as a heads up. Mm -hmm. And the other part to that is that it may be more accurate as well. When we think about typical anal analyst estimates, mm -hmm. the whisper number is probably the most, like many times it's like, okay, hey, you get there, it's like the most accurate. So an analyst may believe a company will earn, let's say, two bucks per share. So in their EPS, they'll be at two bucks in the next quarter but is really hoping it will earn, let's say, 210 per share. And when the earnings report is released, the company actually earns a 205 and beats on the earnings, right? They beat on you know the top and bottom line, but did not beat the whisper number of 210. This can lead to a large sell-off, causing the stock price to fall on an open market. Okay. So That's it's interesting, huh? I was gonna say, like, yeah, it is interesting because then it's like, dang man, y'all should have shut your mouth. You know, if it's something that you own or whatever, you you want the best for the stock that you have. But then on the flip side, when the company comes through and beats the whisper number, that's like the best PR. Yeah, and, and we've seen it before, right? Because, you know, looking at, like, for example, when we see, like, delivery numbers for Tesla, or when we see iPhone numbers for Apple, or when we see the numbers for, let's say, you know, a GM or an Estee Lauder or any of those other companies, um, when you beat those whisper numbers, then that's literally letting the rest of the market know, and especially Wall Street know, that, hey, I have arrived, I'm here. So pretty much if you beat on the top bottom line, as well as, let's say, raise your guidance, and on top of that, like those other metrics that we said, and then on top of that, come through and beat the whisper number, it's kind of hard to ultimately sell off on a stock 
The only way that potentially that can do that is if the stock is already trading at those all-time highs. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, even though that you beat on all these things, it's like, okay, how much of that is already priced into the stock? Right. And so when we're always thinking about it, you know, that's the part where we always have to take into consideration. Is it priced? Is, is the good news already priced in? Just like, for example, we can use the same type of metrics and we can use that same type of rubric and look at, say, for example, a recession. Is the, is the potential recession already priced in? Though that I still believe that, you know, we're already in a recession. Um, and I think that, you know, the data from the GDP number is a lagging indicator. So, of course, it's going to report that probably we're there. Um, I think that ultimately in looking at it, when you see that like now companies like when analysts have to go back and revise their S&P earnings growth numbers, so their S&P target numbers based upon they they adjust those numbers based upon the 500 companies that sit in the S&P 500 based upon looking at, say, for example, what their earnings, what their potential earnings growth looks like, a.k.a. EPS. And those things can have effects on stocks. So that was great. Now the question is, all right, so, you know, we're, com we're come up cousins, right? And we're looking at this because, you know, we're super diligent and we're <laughs> in our homework and reviewing our notes. So then tomorrow, for example, when we're looking at, um, we're looking at different earnings, maybe even companies that we don't even really care about, but we're just using this as an example. Um, or to, you know, to track to see what's going to happen. Like what's the most practical approach to um, really maximizing um, what we're here today? So the biggest thing is, and this is where it's like you have to go, you look at the earnings report, but then you also have to go and look at what we call the 10Ks. Because the 10Ks will kind of like give you an idea of what to look at for over the next 12 months. So, and that really matters because then you can see what their 12 month EPS number looks like and then start to put into perspective and then start to calculate, okay, hey, now I've got my EPS number. Now I see the amount of shares that are outstanding. Now I see, say, for example, what, how is it that I can calculate PE ratio and see exactly where we are. So, for example, where we see a lot of PE ratios mm -hmm. have literally gotten annihilated or ultimately brought back down to earth everybody on wall street is saying the same thing you know pretty much pe ratios are showing us that these stocks are oversold can we pick a stock and do that right quick in our last sure. nine minutes sure we can definitely do that um give me one quick second all right so we're gonna go over to our friends over at bar chart yay and let's see if i can pull up a well, first things first, I gotta log in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and pull it up. So I have bar chart up and running. Yep. So here we go. We have bar chart up and running. So let's pull up. Uh, let's let's choose a ticker. Um, they someone said Neo and someone said Disney. Okay, so let's look at Neo. Now Neo is you know had a lot going on recently but again so currently they're sitting at a negative earnings per share right now and of course they have let's say six uh, 1.6 what is it 1.6 billion 1.6 million shares outstanding I'm gonna take us off the screen to make it bigger 
Yeah. So again, you know, these are things in which that we look at. So a low EPS tells us that essentially that the growth projection for uh, NEO is actually considered pretty low. And so again, we don't expect so, which means that they're going to be probably either at a decreasing or at, say, for example, stagnant growth. And then, of course, when we look at, let's say, like I, one of the things that I love about, say, for example, um, bar chart is not only do they have price to sales, they have price to cash flow, but, you know, NEO is not applicable for some reason. And then they also have this thing called price to book. So these things I love. And then, of course, they have the price to, you know, PE ratio, which is pretty much zero. Now, of course, that makes sense because, of course, if you have a negative EPS, and then of course share price is sitting at 22 then that's going to have a significant impact on let's say the the viability of neo as a company and that's where it's like just me looking at it from a simple basic standpoint where neo probably looks like probably a something that if you're looking at it over a 5 year span 5 to 10 year span that's where really where you have to look at it in the sense of okay hey when can they get to a point where we can say that the growth, it's the growth story for NEO will come back. All right, so let's look at another stock because I know that folks are on here. So we said Disney, right? That was the next one, yeah. Okay, so Brandon wanted me to look at Disney. So Brandon, I'm pulling up Disney, sir. And so we have Disney. And as you can see, Disney has EPS, EPS at 3.3, solid shares outstanding, Price to earnings, pretty high. So their PE ratio is still pretty high. Normally it's like, you know, at a basic value, you'll pretty much see them at, you know, pretty much a 14, 15 for a value-based company. So they're trading pretty high. And at the same token, their price to book and everything else is pretty solid. So I think that, you know, Disney is in a, is in a strong point. The only problem is that's really hurting Disney right now, I would probably say, is the fact that, again, you know, you're in a position in which that you're in a, I think, in my belief, I believe that you're in a recession that's caused by supply, which is ultimately going to potentially for investors, which has driven down the EPS for Disney, is, well, that has driven down the PE ratio for Disney is because of the fact that, again, you know, is, you know, is the growth story for Disney, is it about to slow down? And I think so. That is going to definitely be the case if it hasn't already been so. And that's the reason why investors are going to be paying attention mm -hmm. to, especially in this earnings quarter, they're going to be paying attention. Like last quarter, I, I had given the theme that, you know, it's all about bend, but don't break. This one is going to be, okay, there is no bend now. It's either you're, you're going to break or you're going to show that you're still strong. Mm -hmm. That's what it's going to boil down to. Um, okay. And should I look at a few more uh, stock tickers or? Yeah, let's look at, um, let's look at, I guess, let's look at Amazon. I think that was, or Square, I'm sorry, Square was the next one. Okay. So one of our cousins, 11 Berrios, JL, asks for Square. So if we're looking at Square, and the interesting thing about Square, um, currently right now is pretty much at a flat <laughs> EPS. 
But look at his price to earnings. It's one eleven hundred eighty-three. Now, of course, this could probably not be the most up to date, so take that into consideration, okay. uh, because of course, given stock fluctuations, but it's pretty much telling you that Square was ridiculously overpriced and his value was ridiculously high. So when you look at it over a five-year span, it's come back down to the levels as it pertains to where it was trading before all the madness started. Um, and you have to take in, you have to take this into consideration. A stock, the stock is not the company, and the company is not the stock. I have to give that quote. Shout outs to Jeff Bezos on that one because it still rings true in Supreme. And so, the reason why I say that is because of the fact that you know a company can still be bringing in sales, it could be moving units and everything else, and yet the company is showing strong signs of growth and whatnot and at the same time it's like the stock can be getting crushed mm -hmm. yeah. so again it's like you have to take it you have to sometimes take the stock price of what you see with a huge grain of salt and at the same token I, I mentioned this a little bit ago is that we get so scared and I'm gonna come off I'm gonna come off a uh, share screen yeah. to, to, to address the cousins on this one we get so scared and spooked or you know nervous and I can understand it if you're trading, but if you're, but if you're, say, for example, investing and you have a long-term strategy, you know, there should be no reason why that you should be spooked or scared of what's happening in today's price. If you've, the day that you, when you chose to invest in the company, and it's always amazing to me when I sometimes sit down with folks and I was like, okay, hey, well, this is my, you know, when they sit down and tell me that this is my five-year to, let's say, seven-year thesis for let's say a company, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, so this is your five to seven year thesis. And then the company has, let's say a bad, a bad half year or a bad year. <laughs> then it's just like, and then it's like, of course you're seeing the stock getting crushed. Right, but that's just. And, but it's like, it's just a small moment in time in which that you're looking at and saying, okay, hey, well, you know, it's reflection, it's, the stock is reflected on what's happening today over, let's say the next six to, over the, let's say the next six to nine months. But your thesis was built over the next five to seven years. Now you have to go and look at the company and say, okay, hey, is the company still doing what they said that they're going to do? Are they still say, for example, um, are they still, for example, you know, killing it as it pertains to growth and sales? Are they still moving product? Are they, is their services, is their service business still growing? You know, it could be a various different business, so I'm not going to narrow it down to a specific one. But if that thesis is still intact and if they're still showing signs that they're still in a growth phase, what you may see in the stock market is only just a reflection or a heat check of what everybody's feelings are today. Yes. But that's not a reflection of the actual company and what it's doing. Now, in some cases, you see the stock react based upon what the company may have told you, and then the stock will react. But again, it's still a heat check of what everybody feels as it pertains to value. Now, it, it, Warren Buffett goes through this goes through this spiel and I don't really quote Warren Buffett a lot, but you know, when the man is right, the man is right. And so, one of the things that he says is like and and I and I mentioned this when I was speaking to folks um at the conference. Mm -hmm. And I and I I did a special shout out to to the women in the room and I said, "Hey, if there is a pair of Christian Louboutins that sell for $1200, 
a pair. How many of you are buying? And nobody raised their hand. <laughs> of course not. Nobody wanted to pay $1,200 for a pair of Christian Louboutins. But, and I, I, I switched it and I said, okay, hey, Christian Louboutin said that, okay, hey, we are overstacked in inventory. We got to move in, this inventory has got to move. So now we're going to go from selling $1,200 to, let's say, we bring it down to, let's say, $150. And I ask everybody, if you see a pair of Christian Louboutins that are being sold for $150, how many of you are buying? I'm buying all of them. Everybody raised their hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everybody raised their hand. Like, for example, if you live in Hawaii and if a gallon of milk is $12 a gallon, mm -hmm. but then all of a sudden, the very next week, it's like by the, I don't know, a lightning struck or something like that. Hawaii. Milk went from $12 a gallon to, let's say, it went down to, let's say, $5 a gallon. Are you buying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, like, for example, if you, it, like, Jolene, if, if there's a piece of art from an artist mm -hmm. that you know that is, like, a legendary artist, but for some reason that painting went from, let's say, $50,000 to then all of a sudden you find a one of their pieces of art at a like there's a somebody's selling the piece of art for let's say they're selling it for like a thousand dollars are you buying that piece of art <laughs> see again it comes down to the fact that again that like where we look at it where we get afraid because of the fact that we see a stock price fall but that's where i said it's like you know the people in whom which that normally get freaked out about that is because of the fact that either they're new to the market or two it's like they haven't really like they don't understand where they are in the cycle or it could just be a multi it could be a multitude of things mm -hmm. but the real ones now like the real ones that are like really like the ones that truly make money in such markets they are the ones that are literally going through this phase and wow interesting lighting effects that i just noticed here in my room um like whoa uh over that's why <laughs> so the interesting thing that i noticed though is this is the time in which that money is to be made you know this is that accumulation process in which that people start to accumulate shares or they start to like literally stake their claim and say okay hey this is where i set my positions and it happens over periods of time. If you go back and look at all seven bear markets over the last 50 years that we discussed, mm -hmm. who do you think were the folks in whom wish that became wealthy? Was it the folks in whom wish that ran away scared and ultimately that were upset and everything else because of the fact that something didn't work out or whatever it was and they just decided to like, you know, walk away from it? Or do you think that it was the folks that even though that they were getting burned they still kept at it and they still kept accumulating because of the fact that they believed that over a period of time that essentially that we would get there. I think the other week I had mentioned that you're starting to see analyst targets or you're starting to see investment bank targets for like 2028 and 2026 and stuff like that come out. They're not just coming out for no particular reason. They're coming out with a specific focus to let people know as a reminder that where we are today is not where we will be tomorrow or the year or a year later or the next year. Like the whole idea behind, say, for example, when I set that thesis forth of the rolling forest in the rowing 20s, mm -hmm. if you think about it, over two year spans is like, yeah, you're going to have some moments in which that you're going to take some punches in the market. But when you look at it over a period of time, you may have a bad year in the market. And if, I don't know if people remember that episode where I actually removed some of the investments off of the table and said, hey, this is because an investment didn't work out.
but even when a specific investment didn't work out if you look at still where you end up even though that one investment didn't work out or two investments didn't work out you still are you still came out better than you were from just sitting there and doing nothing at all and that's the point like that's literally the point when you think about investors like and and, and I'll, I'll bring you into my world out of all the startups that I've had the privilege of investing in, right? Do you think I'm going to legitimately care <laughs> if, let's say, 60% of those startups close? No, because you already knew what the risk was going in, but then you still have the other 40% that, you know, could like seriously knock it out the park. Correct. And so when you think about it, and I gave the breakdown for everybody in, on Saturday, and I'll give it to everybody here tonight. When you think about, like, say, for example, how wealth accumulation is done, it's done in, within three different you know, asset categories, whether it's in real estate, whether it's in the publicly traded markets, or within startups, mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. And, I, and I'll even give you the return, the rate of return. The rate of return within real estate can be anywhere from, let's say, 4% all the way up to, let's say, 25 maybe even 30%. The return that you can get over, say, for example, that same span of time within stocks, if you think about, say, for example, that compounding interest over time, so which means that every on, on average every year, you're ranging anywhere from 7 to roughly 10%. So if you did that over a five-year span, and let's say that you happen to fall in at 10% just to keep it round numbers for everybody, then you're up significantly. That's that's a that's a dope return, like literally. And then the other part is like here here's the other part. Here's the reason why I love the world of startups more. Paul Seuss said it best when he came onto the show. Well, Paul needs to come back. The average the average return that you know normally that you get from a startup that's been sold is a 35x return on your investment. Now, just imagine what it looks like if you're the entrepreneur. Now you've gone from 35x if you're the investor, and now you went from about 100 to 150x if you're the entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And then let's just say that it just happened to be one of those unicorn companies, then now you're looking at anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500x company. So when we think about it, like, you know, when we think about it mentally, like, you know, there's no other place and which that like yeah you could still keep working at your job and doing doing the nine to five and you know earning money but again if you're just earning it and not placing it towards places in which that will where those areas of wealth accumulation are generated where wealth transfer can take place then you're doing yourself a huge service Good service yeah seriously so we are over time. However, oh wow, <laughs> yeah, by seven minutes, it's all good. Um, I I think that you know that's the mindset for right now that we have to have like that. Even today's emotions are not you know emotions that we're gonna have eight years later or down the road. Like we may be celebrating. It may hurt now, but we'll be celebrating later. Um, and also, um, just so that we know again, switching gears a bit. Supplemental Sundays is happening this Sunday um, at 5.30 Pacific Time, 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. And we're going to be talking about um, breaking down how to sell calls and puts. So that, um, Tivo and AJ will be leading that. I'm not sure who the guest is, but whoever it is, I'm sure they will rock it out for y'all. So, uh, you know, when you 
come here you, you put in some work <laughs> okay i want every i want everybody to do this also like because i know that we're over time so i'm going to try to like you know end it i'm gonna i want to do a social experiment mm. with folks a social experiment okay. within your network or within your social media sphere I want you to write this down. I want you to type this on your social media and see who pays attention. See who pays attention within your circles or within your groups or whatever it is. So if you even have a text message, like send it through a text through your text message group or whomever. Send it through whatever mediums that you have. And I I mentioned this last week, but I think that it kind of like went over I think it kind of got lost within the sauce or lost within translation or yeah. transition. I said, I would rather be a has-been than a never was. Mm -hmm. I want each and every single one of you that have been watching tonight's episode, I want you to go and post it on your social media. Like, I would, ra I would rather be a has-been than a never was. See who responds. And see how they respond. The interesting thing is, the folks in whom wish that respond to that and understand that and get that, those are the folks that you probably want to like, you know, build up your own small Avengers group and assemble, <laughs> or your own Justice League, whatever you need to do. But you know, the other folks in whom wish that don't get it, it's nothing wrong with. There's nothing wrong with them, but just understand that they're not on that. They will not probably. They're not currently on that level of conscious, which means that there's more minds for you to reach or whatever it is but they're just not on that level of conscious for for them to understand, for them to build with you in that mindset. And it's a very simple thing. Again, I'll, I'll re-quote it. I would rather be a has-been than a never was. Okay. Jolynn, I feel like that's a good... <laughs> You know, it's like if we look at all of our ancestors that have like gone on to do some pretty awesome things in this, like they talk about what they did back in their days, and we used to always roll our eyes at them. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, that was back in your day. And the reason why we said that that was back in their day, because we looked at them as has-beens, but we never really paid attention to how, exactly how successful and how monumental, the, the like how much they were moving the needle forward. Yeah. It's like, you know, shout out to all the folks in whom wish that have been has-beens. I can't wait to be that guy. I can't wait to be that guy that has all those stories to tell either to my kids or to my nieces and nephews and everything else and be like, hey, either your uncle or your father, he was out here in hella traffic and these are the things that he did. And I want them to roll their eyes and I'll be like, okay, yeah, just wait till your time comes. I want to be a one-hit wonder. I just want one hit. <laughs> I mean, in the booth, in the booth, one time. One time in the booth. Anger. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, like for real. Like, I guess if, if if you never hear anything else from me, like I said, I would rather be a has been than it never was. Mm. On that note, thank you guys for rocking with us tonight. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and of course hit the bell. We definitely want to hear your insights. We definitely want to hear your inputs, but be sure to do that social experiment just to see exactly who's rocking in your circles and everything else and where their level of conscious is. And on top of that, yo, keep learning, keep researching, because the more you learn, the more you earn. Until next time, I am Mark Monroe. And I'm Dylan GC in the place to be. And this has been a come up for you. We will see y'all next week, but make sure you stay tuned for Supplemental Sundays this weekend. Peace, y'all.